That's What She Said, episode 24.5, State of the Podcast Edition. Wow, that is really hard. You really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling, so... That's what she said! (laughs) Suicide doors on my 57 Chevy Roll around town like a hero I got you on my mind Just like all the time Pedal down, nowhere to go And welcome to episode 24.5 of That's What She Said, a podcast about the Emmy Award-winning NBC show, The Office. As always, I'm your Human Resources Coordinator, Matt Summer, and this week we're going to be taking a look at the state of the podcast here for where things stand as of July 8th, 2007. Where's my retro episode? Well, there's a shake-up in Twistland, people. One host shall live, and another will die. Well, not really, but I do have some bad news. Out of the ashes, a contest is offered. Who will be America's next podcasting star? Who will be the one? Only the Oracle knows for sure. Lots to discuss, lots to talk about. Let's head on over to the water cooler. It's a real shame, because studies have shown that more information gets passed through water cooler gossip than through official memos, which puts me at a disadvantage, because I bring my own water to work. Why'd you do this? I didn't do it. Oh, the water cooler was brought over here for maintenance. So what do you guys hear? And joining me at the water cooler this week is one of our traveling salesmen here, our Todd Packer of Twist, if you will, Kevin Crossman. How you doing, Kevin? Uh, hey, man. How's it going? Uh, well, it's going all right. We got kind of some big news to get into in a little while, but we will uh, take care of that in just a second. Now, Kevin, you also, I hear, run your own podcast. That's right. I uh, from the Frat Pack tribute, fratpackpodcast.com, and of course we're talking about Steve Carell and Ben Stiller and Vince Vaughn and all those guys in the Frat Pack. A lot of similarities with a lot of the things you're talking about here on the Office. So how does it make you feel when those guys come out and always say, "There's no Frat Pack"? What are you talking about? Well, it depends on who you talk to. Luke Wilson, you know, is embracing it the, every chance he can get, but uh, Will Ferrell and Vince Vaughn definitely don't need those other guys. That's for sure. Uh, well, we know better anyway. But now I'm glad to have you on board here. Again, as I said, one of our expert traveling salesmen. Well, Kevin, uh, I do have some bad news, and if you haven't uh, been to our blog page for the podcast, this may come as a bit of surprise for folks out there. But uh, uh, our co-host, my dear friend, our senior sales associate, Ian Castleberry, he has told me this last week that he will, unfortunately, no longer in the future be participating in the That's What She Said podcast as a co-host, and that's uh, hit me a little hard, obviously. Uh, Ian really had a lot to do with the show over the last year, and I'd just like to lay out a little bit for everyone kind of his reasons and what uh, what he's doing. And Ian says, I have to say this wasn't an easy decision for me. I may end up regretting it by the time we're into season four, but my schedule is going to range from indefinite to hectic from now until next May, and I couldn't commit to doing every podcast with Matt, especially with the bigger load of episodes. Participating in the podcast has been a lot of fun, more than I could have imagined. Not only did I get to talk about TV, but I also learned a lot about podcasting, which I've been interested in for a long time. Grateful to Matt for allowing me the opportunity to do so. I've also really enjoyed trading posts, chats, and email with the people who listen, and that's been really gratifying. I hope we keep in touch throughout the next season. 
Finally, he says, I don't plan on completely disappearing, and if Matt needs an occasional fill-in, I hope I can help out. But he's created something really good with this podcast, and I want to see him keep doing it. I know I've put him in a tough position with trying to create a new rapport with someone that might be a relative stranger. But we have a lot of smart, funny people who listen to the show, and I'm sure Matt will find a new co-host who can not only keep things rolling, but make it even better. So if you're interested, don't be shy about giving it a try. Now, uh, what is he talking about there, that last bit? Well, I am actually on the lookout now for anyone interested in helping out, co-hosting a episode, an episode of That's What She Said. Uh, I do have some people right now, like uh, Kevin here is going to step in for some episodes. Uh, my other friend Ian Levenstein, who I worked with on the Comic Timing podcast, has also agreed to step in from time to time. But, you know, I am putting it out there. If you're a listener of That's What She Said, if you think you have what it takes, if you'd like to hear yourself on the air, whether it be just for one episode or if you want that permanent co-host job, I'm asking you to send me an audio clip, uh, MP3 format, whatever you can do. Send it to me by July 31st, if you can. And uh, just make it a few minutes, talk about, look at one of your favorite Office episodes, look at one of your least favorite Office episodes. And I'm looking for somebody that's going to be able to talk critically about the show here like we do. You guys, you know how we roll here on That's What She Said. We say what we like, we say what we don't like. And if you're someone that just thinks every episode is better than the last, uh, you know, don't waste our time. But uh, if you think you have a lot of stuff to say, if you've always wanted the chance to tell me how wrong I am about everything that's out there, uh, this is your chance. So send those audio clips as an attachment to our email address. That is twsspodcast at gmail.com. And one more time, twsspodcast at gmail.com. And let me know. Throw your hat into the ring, and it just might be you telling me, like I said, how, how incredibly wrong I am. In the meantime, Kevin, as long as you're here uh, on that kind of sad note, figured we'd talk some movies this summer. Now, a couple of our big cast members have, uh, have been in some big big blockbuster films, or potential, hopeling, <laughs> they're hoping to be blockbuster films Absolutely. This, this summer so far. And uh, first off, let's talk about Steve Carell. Now, what, uh, what's Steve been up to? Well, you know, his big blockbuster comedy, Evan Almighty, opened a few weeks ago. And uh, for those of you who don't know out there, this was one of the most expensive movies ever made. Definitely the most expensive comedy ever made. Well over $200 million for this movie. It's a little unclear where all this money went. Uh, you know, Steve Steve got $5 million for this movie, which hey. is a lot less than they paid. Lama herding isn't cheap, man. That's all I can say. Well, you know, it's less than what Jim Carrey got for the original. So... You know, but I guess it takes a lot of money to build an ark and have all these animals. But, uh, man, just really expensive. And, of course, uh, the movie has been doing okay business, but not going to nearly come close to making that money back. So it's kind of viewed as a, a financial flop. And, of course, the critical reception has not been wonderful either. Yeah, and I had to say up front that I, as much as I like Steve in the office, I, I have not seen this film. And, as you say, it's gotten pretty much of a critical drubbing you know a lot of people i don't know whether you say this is snobbery or what have you saying that it's sort of just like a thinly veiled uh sunday school lesson uh just doesn't really seem as fun as the first one you know obviously we have a smaller star in the lead role but uh all that kind of stuff aside what what did you think of the film well steve carell is really good in this movie a lot more physical comedy than you usually see on the office or in his past roles 
but it's definitely uh, uh, the family-friendly religious aspect of the story really got in the way of the comedy. It would have been a lot funnier if they could have ditched some of that story because there was long sections of the movie where you kind of went from plot to plot and just to get from beginning to end until you got to the big flood, so to speak. Man, but come on, shots with monkeys carrying hammers, that's comedy gold. Yeah, some of that was hit or miss. Uh, <laughs> You know, like I said, Steve is really good. Uh, there's some scenes where he's, you know, the beard is growing in, and he's really funny uh, in those scenes. And some of the co-stars, like Ed Helms from The Office, is in it as a news reporter, and he comes off with some funny lines. Uh, Jonah Hill is in the movie. He's pretty good, too. Uh, Wanda Sykes even gets a few good gags in there, too. But uh, overall, kind of bland. Uh, we rated it about three stars out of five. All right. Yeah, I... That's kind of what I was, like you said, the, the general gist of what I've been getting from people is it just really seemed kind of flat, and it just seemed to be aiming at that certain target audience. And I guess, you know, if you're looking for, I don't know, what was this rated? Was this PG? G rated? PG. Okay. I almost wonder if they shouldn't have gone for the G. Maybe that would have been better. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, the, the thing, I guess, this is something that i got to say that really kind of annoyed me is that, I, you know, I saw the teaser trailer, and uh, they made it seem like, you know, okay, yeah, he's growing the beard and all the animals are helping him and everything else. But they really kind of left it hanging. Like, was he going to be a kook? You know, what was going to happen? And then when they came out with the actual trailer, like a couple of weeks before the film, like, they showed him, they showed the flood. They showed the boat, like, crashing down the water. I'm like, okay, why do I have to see this now? I mean, exactly. what was the point of me going to see this film? So I don't know. Yeah, and, you know, they, they definitely, I think, tried to skimp on the marketing budget because even the director, uh, Tom Shadiak, was, you know, livid and he was having all these meetings with Universal and, and saying that they needed to increase their number of TV spots and, and there weren't showing, you know, a month before the movie was opening, even though, you know, Harry Potter was already having um, commercials. And so uh, the, the buzz and awareness for this movie definitely was not uh, very good. And, and, you know, and they released it, man, this summer has just been crazy in terms of the blockbusters. And so... Right. You know, it was tough to open a film this year. Now, do you think that they, I mean, at that point, do you think that they were just kind of cutting their losses, thinking like, man, this isn't going to work, and we might as well just not spend another $30, $40 million on advertising, or what do you think? I'm quite certain that that's what they were doing. (laughs) That's kind of sad. (laughs) That being said, you know, the people at Universal were good to us. Uh, They sponsored a a contest that we had for our listeners uh, to get some Evan Almighty swag. And so, you know, they, you know, the people over there know how to market a movie. Uh, Knocked Up was uh, marketed very well, for example. But uh, in this case, I think there wasn't so much that they could work with. Yeah, I suppose. It, it's, it's a real high concept, you know, kind of idea. You know, it's not really like, as far as I understand with Bruce Almighty, it's, it's a lot different where you have sort of a guy doing, you know, acting like God might and kind of having fun with it and doing different things. And this movie seemed a lot more single-minded, plot-driven, you know, Build the big boat, corral all the animals. All right, well, uh, if you agree or disagree with our take, no, I'm sounding like the film spotting guys now. Uh, <laughs> send us an email or go to our blog page. Let us know what you what you think about that. Uh, maybe I need to uh, rent that or get that, uh, catch that somehow before the season starts. But uh, I probably won't. But since you, you brought up that clip, uh, oh, that's right. I guess how do we want to fit that in there? Um, uh, this is a clip, I guess, then from from the show, uh, from the movie, and uh, it sort of highlights the fact, like I told you, I not really all that funny, but uh, I guess helps set up the plot a little bit. You bought eight lots? Yep. I was uh, going to surprise you. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Gober Pile. <laughs> what are you doing? 
We can't afford that. What are you going to do with eight lots? I don't know. Maybe I'll build a boat. Did you say build a boat? It might be something fun for the family. We could uh, take a boat, go sailing on the lake. Be great in case it floods or something. What is going on with you? Is this like a midlife crisis? It's not that bad. It's not? No. Why do you think they call it a crisis? Oh, my God. Honey. I know this sounds crazy. I really think I need to do this. Okay, build your boat. Just don't take too long, okay? Because we didn't leave our lives in Buffalo so you could sail the SS depression. It's funny, the little Gomer Pyle reference, uh, you know, the way Carell does that with Michael Scott sometimes with these pop culture references. But, uh, yeah, exactly. That was a very Scott moment. I could see him in there. Can you yeah. almost see him in this film, too? You can, almost the same kind of character, right? Sort of this pompous... Uh, I guess yeah, he was I, in the older, in the first movie. I, I, from what I've heard in this movie, he's really, like, not even almost the same character that he was before. No, he's definitely kind of a watered-down, more of a season three Michael rather than a season one Michael, that's for sure. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, Lauren Graham there as a co-star just definitely did not bring much to this movie. Uh, they definitely needed somebody like Jennifer Aniston to bring a little bit more emotional and comic heft to this movie. Right, and that's one of the things that we were talking about before that, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of people kind of speculating about why this film hasn't really gone off uh, like Bruce Almighty did, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that you look at the cast, I mean, as much as you and I like Steve Carell, as much as we appreciate him in The Office, and, you know, as much as a lot of people have uh, enjoyed him in 40-Year-Old Virgin, I mean, he's not really a blockbuster star with the masses, right now. I mean, definitely not along the lines of a Jim Carrey, let's say. Or even a Jennifer Aniston, for that matter. Right. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I mean, and is he... That's kind of one of my questions with these summer movies, is that he's kind of been... I don't know how to say this. He's sort of been, like, knighted or something as the next big comedy kind of star. And in a lot of kind of big-budget movies with this one and then Get Smart, and he's in a lot of other ones. He's in some smaller mm-hmm. ones. You know, I'm, I'm much more excited to see Dan in real life, which sounds like a much more lower key kind of uh, enjoyable sort of movie but you know, I don't know if are we going to get to a point where you know is 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 he just not going to catch on with the mainstream is he going to be just a niche kind of actor that we all appreciate but the other of those other fools out there don't don't get I we'll have to see but uh, you know maybe keeping that day job at the office was a good idea <laughs> yeah that's true you know we we're all kind of speculating at the end of the summer looking at all these uh movie deals and everything that everyone's working on. And so far, they haven't been in a lot of good movies. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that, uh, how that turns out. But good luck, Steve. We still want you back. Now, since you brought it up, though, let's talk about, uh, I guess a little bit, we'll talk about Knocked Up because uh, Steve did have a cameo in that film as well, uh, playing himself. Didn't last too long, but uh, very, very funny. Good and, uh, cameo for Steve. Yeah, I, uh, what was the line you said? Oh, you managed to make Steve Carell look like an asshole. Congratulations. Yep, that's the, that's the new summer catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a fan of 40-Year-Old Version, I don't know, you think that's a must-see to go check out that movie? It is a must-see. It's very similar, uh, a little bit more serious, uh, not quite as broad in terms of its humor, but uh, very similar, very good, you know, very, very funny, and uh, lots of good drama. Right. And now, human emotion as well. Not, I was actually surprised because Knocked Up to Me was a very traditional romantic comedy. I mean, it's very traditional in the steps that it takes. The couple gets together, something comes along to break them up, they get back together mm-hmm. at the end, you know. It's enjoyable. It's definitely an enjoyable film. I think that if you're sort of worried about this over-the-top 
kind of gross out humor. I don't think that you, you know you shouldn't be scared away. There's one gross out moment. Uh, the birth scene is that you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. No, I don't know. It was it was a little kind of nasty, but not <laughs> not. It was kind of gross in the sense that you know human functions are kind of beautiful and gross at the same time. It wasn't really I don't know, but uh, in any case. <laughs> Our buddy John Krasinski, now the uh, golden boy of the office, who left everyone squealing with joy at the end of the job. Uh, he is busy at work on a couple different films. He's, I don't know, they're still filming that Leatherheads movie, it sounds like, in some capacity. So that, I don't know when that's coming out, sometime later this year. But, I think in the like, November time frame, I think. Okay. And if you remember this back during their last break, I think in 2006, uh, Jenna Fisher was off filming uh, Blades of Glory, and uh, John was off filming License to Wed. And, and I remember from the news at the time that John said something like, I wish I was in your film. I think your film is going to be better. <laughs> and uh, going by the, uh, the way that this looks, i got to ask you, Kevin, is he right Oh, he couldn't be more right. Blade score was really funny, and, uh, you know, it didn't set any records for the most original concept, but it was really good. Meanwhile, License to Wed, you know, it, it, it's uh, done okay with the box office, but definitely not doing too well. The critics are killing this movie. And, uh, was it like 15% at Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah, it's just, just <laughs> awful. I, I thought it was fine. Um, you know, it's kind of a romantic farce, and they set... John Krasinski up is kind of the protagonist. You know, he wants to marry Mandy Moore. She's so beautiful and intelligent. And she's got this family who always gets married at this one church. And so he just kind of goes, oh, all right, we can do that. And basically Robin Williams is the, the pastor, and he, they have to go through his you know, marriage test to make sure that they're compatible with each other before he can get married in the church. And so, you know, he's, Krasinski's kind of the straight man while all these crazy things are happening to him and, you know, sort of watching his blood boil and, and all these things. So, you know, the, the thing is, is that Krasinski, I don't think, quite has the comic chops to carry this movie, given that the rest of the material sort of average. Um, so, but that being said, you know, it was a good time at the movies if you're looking for a romantic kind of story, mixed smile, a few really big laughs, and, a, you know, some medium-sized ones as well. Yeah, I've, I, I don't know what it is, and this is kind of the same. I think the reason why the film's gotten critically smashed is that apparently from what I've heard, I mean, and again, I haven't seen this movie. I was scared off by the comments, but apparently Robin Williams is very just kind of unbearable in this film. I don't know. Do you agree or disagree with that? That's not going to go into his, you know, Hall of Fame of key roles or anything like that. He's he's fine in this movie. Um, he doesn't really bring a lot either, but he actually has a, uh, a choir boy who kind of becomes his uh, his uh, assistant in all these different uh, vignettes within the movie. Uh, plants a bug inside their bedroom so they can eavesdrop on the conversations, and they do all they, they torture Krasinski throughout all these different tasks that he has to do. You know, no sex and and he has to write his vows and all these things. So and we've seen the clips. Right. I'm sure we've all seen the clip of him getting hit in the face with the baseball and having the robotic barfing, peeing babies and all that kind of stuff. So Absolutely. Lots of uh, <laughs> sort of slapstick comedy there, I guess. Now, you, so you liked the little choir boy character. He was really reviews. good. All right, because I've, I've read in a lot of other reviews, people have said that they found him just creepy and just like, <laughs> like terrible. So I don't know. Uh, creepy but funny. 
All right. Now, the other thing about this is it's the movie is directed by Ken Quapis, who's directed a bunch of episodes of The Office. Right. Now, Matt, I'm sure you're familiar with his other major motion picture, The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Ah, uh, yes. I, actually, I, I, that, that came on once when I was riding a bus from Portland, Maine to, uh, to Boston Logan Airport. I got to say I didn't watch it, though, but... Yeah, I can't say that I saw that movie either. <laughs> um, the, uh, additionally, uh, some Office co-stars appear in the movie, Angela Kinsey, Mindy Kaling, and Brian Baumgartner, who you, uh, I think he's in the trailer. He's really funny in a couple scenes uh, in this movie. He plays uh, alongside Rachel Harris, who some people might know from like those VH1 um, pop culture, yes. and thing. she's also the Quaker rice stack, or whatever spokesperson. Oh yeah, she's she's cute. So they play uh, a couple that are in one of these, you know, couples therapy things that uh, Krasinski and Moore have to go to. And uh, Baumgartner is really really funny in this movie. Yeah, it was kind of distracting because you know you're there, you're seeing John Krasinski, you're trying to separate Jim from his character in the movie, and then you see all these office people <laughs> taking you out of the moment. It really was not a good idea. Yeah, so that's like, I don't know, Baumgartner especially, there's like that promo still of him with his shirt kind of tied up doing a belly dancing maneuver, which yeah. is a little, uh, little scary, but look kind of funny, I don't know, anyway. But yeah, that's the thing, like, I guess it's kind of, uh, kind of strange to me, is that there was a lot of office kind of crossovers here that we have, um, like you said, with, with those characters. Now, what was, uh, he was another husband, um, Angela was a jewelry store person, and we'll play a little clip of that in a second. And what was yep. Mindy doing in the film? She was the uh, wife of uh, Krasinski's best friend. Uh, he's sort of a henpecked husband, and Cowling is the henpecker, I guess. <laughs> uh, she's only she's only in for a couple scenes, but you know it's definitely not a stretch for her acting. You've seen it a million times in in uh, The Office. Yeah, that is, that, that's kind of funny because one of the questions that we have and one of the things that people have sort of said is that is this character in the film really any different than Jim? And is that Krasinski's acting range? Um, did Quapis direct him to be that way? It's just the way that he is in general? I don't know. I, what do you think about that? Uh, it's very similar to Jim. Uh, you know, he's charming in a certain way, but he is kind of going along for the ride like Jim does a lot on the show. And uh, but then at the end, kind of pulls things out in a really clever way. So it is pretty similar. And uh, yeah, you know, he's kind of typecast here. We'll see with Leatherheads if he can uh, go in a different direction. <laughs> well, I know that Quapis and uh, Krasinski they had sort of a couple of interviews this last week talking about the film. And and uh, Quapis was joking that Krasinski has a total of six facial expressions <laughs> that he's capable of. And uh, I don't know if that's really all that far from the truth. I don't know. I wonder. Um, yeah, hopefully in Leatherheads, you won't see him roll his eyes and look at the camera or anything when he catches the ball. But I got to say <laughs> that, um, and, you know, I forgot about this before, too, with, uh, with Knocked Up. We also had a great cameo in there by B.J. Novak as a yes. severely creepy <laughs> gynecologist. Absolutely. So it's definitely worth, uh, worth the price of admission, I guess, for an Office fan. Now, so do you think if, as an Office fan, do you have to see this film? Or you think will you enjoy this film? Regardless? I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, it, it's you know it's enjoyable. Now, I mean, again, if you don't go in with high expectations that this is going to be the best comedy of all time, but you know, if, if, if you could do worse on a date movie than this, that's for sure. All right. Well, let, let's take a listen to one of these clips that uh, that we got, uh, and uh, I don't I don't really know what to say about this, but uh, this isn't a jewelry store. Yeah, this might be one of the reasons why the movie is not a super comedy 
Blockbuster. Wow. Really beautiful. Thank you. I'm sorry, did that say never to fart? Yeah, that's what you wrote on your inscription form. I'm sorry, I wrote never to part. Never to fart? I don't know who would have written never to fart. Judith? Yeah. Could you come over here just for a tiny little second? Thank you. Judith, sure. uh, what, is, what is this letter there? Uh, that is an F. No, that's a P. It's no. a P. Mark? Mark. Uh, could you just, you I know, know that we need Mark. Just for a, a little quick second here. Um, and uh, what is that? Oh, uh, the novelty inscription, yes. Nope. No. Mark, it's not a novelty inscription, it's a romantic inscription. What is that? That's not even, excuse me. What is this letter? It's an F. I, I do teach penmanship. Thank I you. I'm getting married in two days. Congratulations. And I Thank you. I need to say number to part with a P. I need it done immediately. So how do we do that? How do we get that done? Well, we could have it tomorrow in the morning. Right. Great. We can and that's that. what we can do. But there's a $250 rush fee. So I'm spending $250 on something I asked you to do in the first place? And we can guarantee that. Oh, man. There you go. Like I said, comedy gold. <laughs> and there was Judith, of course, as Angela playing her little part there. Yeah. the jewelry store. Now, you know, I, the more I think about this film, the more I think maybe they should have held this script back for a couple of years, and then they could have made it, you know, the office movie where Jim and Pam are going to get married. and You know, they could have gone think, through all this stuff. I think Jenna Fisher would have done a better job than Mandy Moore, that's for sure. <laughs> well, that's one of the things that people have criticized is the fact that they really don't seem to have any chemistry in this film. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, there's not a lot of chemistry. Um, it actually would have been funny if uh, Steve Carell had been the uh, person having to do these tests instead of Robin Williams. That might have been better as well. So, yeah, you, <laughs> we should have shelved that one. There we go. We could have Michael Scott as, you know, uh, instead of Reverend Frank, Michael Scott yeah. has been giving out the tests. and uh, <laughs> uh, That would have been comedy gold, I'm telling you right there. Well, our office alums are not really having that much success. It doesn't seem like outside of the office uh directors or stars i gotta say what was the last the other one of the other directors did that horrible like kids lost in the airport movie and again, oh yeah Mindy that thing was in it and ben, bj novak was in it oh right it was directed by another office uh, alum director the license so, to what's blockbuster uh, compared to that thing <laughs> Well, that's true. Faint praise. Uh, a lot of the reviews that I've read have said that, you know, Krasinski is the best thing in the film. So, uh, but most of them are, seem to be have, have been written by sort of 20-year-old female critics. So, I don't know. Take that with a grain of salt, I guess. If you're a big Jim fan, <laughs> I guess you'll enjoy the film. Uh, any messages? Yeah, just a fact. Oh, this is from corporate. How many times have I told you that there's a special filing cabinet for things from corporate? Yeah. All the waste paper basket. <laughs> <laughs> Why I didn't uh, want to get it? You put it in the garbage cabinet with a special filing cabinet. Yeah, uh, that was a joke. All right, well, this is uh, sort of in the behind-the-scenes category, and a lot of people might not care about this, but... You know, if you have been following this over the summer, you might know that Kevin Riley, the head of programming at NBC, was let go out of his contract. 
you know, NBC really didn't do very well at all in the ratings last season, so he was let go. Ben Silverman, the producer, one of the producers of The Office and one of the producers of its top rival, Ugly Betty, uh, was given his position there. Kevin Riley was a big fan of The Office. He helped promote it. He was one of those guys that believed in it. He was actually one of the people that... Uh, he was in that episode where Dwight goes on a job interview. He was one of the guys giving Dwight an interview there. So, And he was also responsible for uh, greenlighting a lot of good shows this year, like 30 Rock, Friday Night Lights, and Heroes. Um, just as an aside, if you're interested in what's going to happen to him, he is looking like he's going to get a job in the same capacity over at Fox this fall fall so uh hopefully you know fox even a worse output of comedy and dramas than nbc fox right now is all about american idol without american idol they i think they would be dead you think with silverman being there that uh office would be in good hands though right right well I, I, yeah at this point i mean they're they're still they're still seeing the office as a big money maker and this ties in with one of our other stories a little bit down the line but yeah i mean i don't i don't think the show is going to go away Probably not, at least until that fifth year. Now, this next news story, and I, I, I don't know what to make of this, but this was in the Boston Herald this last week. And uh, in the gossip section, and it's according to them, uh, Mindy Kaling is just as flighty and irresponsible as the character she plays on the show. Apparently she's been hanging out in Cambridge, visiting her parents, shopping and canoodling with her boyfriend this past week, instead of writing a script for The Office, which is due in a few days. All I can say is, shame on you, Kelly Kapoor. Now, we were kind of joking beforehand that if, uh, you know, if there's this really, like, bad episode that comes up in the middle of October, now you know the reason why. I'm looking forward to that episode now. <laughs> well, yeah, she said that the, and again, this little bit of maybe insight into the production, she said that they had five weeks to, uh, to write the script. And, and it's due on a certain day, so she'll get it done, right? She waited until the last <laughs> three days to four, just like all the rest of us. God bless America. That's all I got to say. <laughs> all right, well, um, speaking of John Krasinski and his movie plans, Buzz Around Hollywood puts John at the top of the list to reprise the role of Erwin Fletch Fletcher, the wackiest guys wearing journalist originally portrayed by Chevy Chase in two previous films. Will this happen? We don't really know. He commented on that he read the script and thought it was really funny, and he wasn't sure what to do. Uh, so I ask you, I don't know, Kevin, were you a, a big fan of the Fletch franchise? Love, love, love Fletch. And I think Krasinski would be really good in this movie. Um, I always thought that you know, Jason Lee would be the perfect person to play Fletch's son or the new Fletch, but I, he's maybe getting a little too old now. I don't know. <laughs> but he, yeah. he's got that open in the Chipmunks movie coming out this Christmas, so, you know. Oh, his career's man. in good hands. <laughs> well, that's true, but he, then he'd have to shave the Earl stash, and you know that's a whole yeah. other thing. But, but yeah, I, I don't know. I was not, like, I saw the first one. The second one, I think, was pretty not that great. I, I think this is a good franchise that could be revitalized. I know there was at least three or four novels that the the movies were based on, so I'm sure there's plenty of more meat for those kind of films. I don't know. He, I guess he, he's sort of a Chevy Chase-ish kind of every man sort of guy. I guess he could pull it off. Will his six expressions be enough, though? I, <laughs> I, well, Chevy Chase only had three, so... Oh, so he's got him twice as good as Chevy Chase. Also this week now coming out on DVD is Rain Wilson's film, The Last Mimsy. Now, did you catch that? I did not see that. And I did not either, so it's kind of like my, my sad, shameful... 
list of all these films I haven't seen with all the Office cast people in it. But it looked kind of interesting. A science fiction film, if you remember from our, our covering it when it originally came out. Um, well, know. how can I forget the CGI effects that were so vital <laughs> to the story? Uh, yeah, exactly. Who's going to forget that? The CGI underpants that they had to put on Rain Wilson's ass. Now we can freeze frame with the DVD. We can look for those. Perfect summer fun, I gotta say. Well, what is it? The story of two kids that really kind of, I don't know, they find some kind of weird alien toys and all kinds of craziness ensues and it makes you think and all kinds of stuff. So be there on Tuesday. Right when we left off, one of the last things that we talked about uh, with the last season was the fact that Jenna Fisher uh, fell down some marble steps and had broken her back in a couple places. Uh, she is well on her way to recovery. She's up and about. So if you have any kind of more interest in seeing what she's been up to and how she's been doing, just uh, head on over to her blog on MySpace and you either do a search or go through our That's What She Said blog page. We have a link over there on the right-hand side. That was really fortunate, the timing in a way, because she had just wrapped up filming for Walk Hard, which is a movie she's going to be in with John C. Riley that's coming out this Christmas. So if, if that had happened a few weeks earlier, it would have been really you know, bad news for that movie in terms of filming and timing and stuff. Yeah, that's one of the things I guess you don't think about. You know, the, the, the stars, when they get in these projects like that, you know, anything can happen. And uh, yeah, it really could have tanked it. And especially, I mean, what would have happened if this would have taken place during the middle of the office season? I mean, you know, talk about your scrambling for plot. What would they have done? They would have had a lot of uh, shots of Jenna strapped to a chair behind the desk. <laughs> now, wh what's the buzz on that? Have you heard anything about that movie? I haven't heard any specific buzz, but they have a lot of people cameoing in the movie. Uh, it's just as a kind of a parody of Ray and Walk the Line, where John C. Riley plays this uh, musician through the 50s to the 90s. And they got a lot of people to do cameos, like Jack White from The White Stripes is going to cameo as Elvis. <laughs> and they have Paul Rudd, Jack Black... Uh, uh, Justin Long and Jason Schwartzman as the Beatles. Oh, man. So that should be pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely interesting. Now, Schwartzman, is he going to be Ringo? Yes, he's Ringo. Okay, I got the nose there. Um, <laughs> yeah, apparently she's playing kind of this June Carter Cash type of character, and, and from what I heard, she sings also in the film. So The other big piece of news is the over the last couple of weeks, we got an announcement on The Office Season 3 DVD release, um, and that is coming out on September 4th. It will be a four-disc set, retailing for $49.99. Uh, a lot of extras, apparently, uh, a lot of commentaries, all the excerpts from the different things that they've been on. I think they have clips from the Emmy with Conan dropping down into the office. You remember that scene? That was pretty mm -hmm. interesting. Obviously, I mean, we're going to buy it. Now, one of the things of controversy, though, is is the cover of that set. And uh, if you've seen it, it's a picture right in the front. We have Steve Carell uh, wearing his prison mic do-rag. And so... Uh, I hate prison mic. Yeah, prison mic. Uh, they had to lock him up with the Dementors. Definitely kind of a lame episode. I know neither of us really liked that episode all that much, but still. Um, they also, like we, we were talking about this before, too, that they, they've selectively cut and pasted certain cast members onto the front of the DVD set. Like, for some reason, BJ Novak always makes the cut. I don't know why. His character's really not that essential in the story, uh, usually, but he's on the he's front. 
He's in the credits. That's why he's in there. Well, well yeah. I don't know why. But aren't, aren't all the other people in the credits? Mindy Kaling's not on the DVD cover. Um, Brian Baumgartner's not on the cover. Kate Flannery's not on the cover. Creed Braddon's not on the cover. None of those guys are on the cover. Uh, all we have is uh, John Krasinski, Rain Wilson, Steve Carell, Jenna Fisher, B.J. Novak, and our two interlopers from Stanford, Rashida Jones and Ed Helms, make the cover. So, man, I don't... I, what do you think those guys feel? Do you think that they feel kind of resentful, or are they just glad to be a part of the show? Well, they ought to feel like they should be glad to be part of the show. You know, I mean, B.J. Novak, I'm not sure why he's in the opening credits, because like you said, he, he's not in a lot of these uh, episodes compared to some of the others. But, um, you know, I, I think with when we think about season three, we're going to think about Ed Helms and Rashida Jones, so I right. guess that makes sense to put them on the cover. So I, I don't know. I just I, I just kind of feel bad for the second level cast that they just don't seem to get their their recognition, as it were. Um, what would the office be without Stanleys? Remember, there's no Stanley tree. There's no Phyllis Bush out there. Ah, oh well. And then the last thing that we had, we talked about this before a little bit. For those people who can't get enough of The Office and who don't have the DVDs already and who haven't seen them all and haven't bought them on iTunes, NBC has, they arranged over the summer a, a syndication deal with cable channel TBS to, uh, to syndicate The Office and My Name is Earl starting this fall. So usually they need to get like five years of a show in the bag before they do a syndication deal. So one of the things that was unusual about this was that it was done after only three, uh, made something like $130 million for the network. Um, it's also, like I said, it's going to be on TBS. It's also going to be on 10 big market Fox stations. So I don't know exactly which big markets they're talking about there. But starting this fall, then I guess look and see uh, how your office episodes play. And I'm, man, I'm just curious because, you know, the office has only, it's only been like 20 minutes or 21 minutes this season. Um, are they going to even be further edited? They now? have to be. <laughs> Terrible the way they cut those shows for syndication. But yeah, even, but this is even worse because they, they're already starting off at only 20 some minutes. So I wonder what's going to happen with that. If it's even edited further than it has been, that might be a little hard to follow. Maybe they're going to take all those supersized episodes and add in the deleted scenes to make them into two-part episodes or something. Yeah, but I wonder. You think about that. The the typical episode, the the ones that were 40 minutes, those are going to be a little harder to want. They're, they're either going to do one of two things. They might either branch out into two or they might slice it down. Uh, because I saw Do you remember last year that NBC played the 20-minute version of Casino Night? No, I didn't see that. Oh, yeah. One of their reruns, like, over the summer after uh, after they aired that, they they played that. It was a 22-minute a cut or 21-minute cut of that 40-minute episode. So I have a feeling that we're going to see a lot of really, really truncated, <laughs> supersized episodes this year. Now, the full hour-length ones, obviously, will easily break up into two episodes. Mm-hmm. But that's not too many. Were, were there only two of those this last year? That were an hour. I think, I think so. Benny Hanna Christmas and the finale. I think. Okay. Yeah. Like we said, next year now we're looking at five hour-long episodes, uh, and then no supersized episodes next year. So a little, right. little bit of feast or famine, I guess. But there you go. Um, well, that's gonna about do it for us here. Join us in. Well, again, I'm not really sure if we're gonna get this going or not, but. 
check back with us in a few weeks and see we might have that first retro episode ready to go for you. Uh, please send any comments or constructive compliments to twsspodcast at gmail.com and visit the show blog page at thatswhatshesaid.libson.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N. If you have a chance, please leave positive feedback on iTunes and help spread the word in the various The Office-related forums. Every little bit helps. And again, I'll just put my thanks out there for everyone who's left positive feedback on iTunes. Uh, we're up to 157 iTunes reviews right now, so that is very gratifying to see that everyone, well, most everyone, appreciates what we're doing. And music for the episode was provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com. And remember to check out nbc.com slash the office during the summer for, well, I don't really know if they're posting anything or not, but uh, <laughs> check it out and you might be surprised. I know that we're not getting any webisodes over the summer. but uh, I think we're getting Creed's Thoughts, I think. Oh, that's still being updated, Creed's yeah. Thoughts blog. Uh, a little scary, but uh, and Kevin, then we, we can find the Frat Pack Tribute Podcast. That where will we go for that? Fratpackpodcast.com, and also available on iTunes. Yes, absolutely. All right, well, check it out if you like what uh, Kevin brought to the show. If you like what he talked about, I think it's definitely worth a listen. Uh, thanks for joining us, folks. I know there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of changes in the wind, and I appreciate you sticking with us. Until next time, I'll see you later. Yeah.